You're listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast, a daily podcast dedicated to helping B2B marketing, sales, and customer success professionals become masters of their craft. It's Thursday, and in these episodes, we focus on one of two things. We'll either be sharing one of our favorite and most actionable talks from a Flip My Funnel event, or you'll hear Sangram and someone from the Terminus team discuss how they're getting better in a specific functional area of Terminus's business. And remember, like Sangram always says, without a community, you are simply a commodity. Here we go. Hey guys, man, it means a lot to see uh, these faces in here today. I really appreciate y'all coming and listening to me talk. Uh, this is a big uh, step in my career because this is the first time that I'm going to actually share this story uh, ever, my story, right? And, and it's more than my story. It's a legacy of my father and his walk in, in the business world, the B2B world. A little background on me. Like Sangram said, my name is Dale Dupree, uh, but my friends, they call me the copier warrior. I actually buried and killed the copier warrior in January of 2019, and the sales rebellion was born on March 1st, 2019. I spent 13 years in the B2B space selling copiers. How boring does that sound? Yeah. Yeah, copiers. I, I still remember the first time that I, when I told somebody, when somebody said, hey, what does your, what does your dad do? You know, I was like, oh, he sells copiers. The look on their face, right? Like, well, like what is that? <laughs> like, you can sell copy machines? That's crazy. You know, so, so what I'm going to do today is give you a perspective, right? We're going to talk about sales. We're going to talk about my upbringing in sales, we're going to talk about, we're going to correlate the lessons that I learned as a child, as a teenager, as an adult, you know, in my walk with my father and in my, my sales career, back to how sales professionals need to be changing the game inside of their verticals, inside of their marketplace, inside of their companies. And so everything starts with my father leaving the big box store and heading 44 miles away so that he could go beyond the border to get past his non-compete. My father was a man of integrity. And as soon as he walked out those doors, you know, his boss said, I'm coming for you, basically. I know you're going to sell coffee here, so I'm coming for you. My dad said, well, catch me over here, one mile outside of my territory. <laughs> you know, he went to a little place called Titusville, Florida. Anybody know where Titusville, Florida is? You got one, two in the room? Yeah, so in, in 1984, do you know what was in Titusville, Florida? Nothing. There was a mall, two malls, that sold antiques and hot dogs. Like, that's real life. So my mom said, no way in hell that you're getting me to go all the way to Titusville, Florida to live just because you need to work there. And so my father drove 44 miles to the office every day. And for me as a child, in the summer, going to the office, that drive was amazing. It was, for me, it was a place of wonder, the office. And, and that, that drive, my imagination took flight. Right. As we drove through literally nothing, <laughs> because if you know what it's like to go from Orlando to Titusville, it's like city and then it's nothing. Right. And then the St. John's River, which is pretty cool. And then nothing. Right. But the coolest part about my dad's office was that it was four miles outside of the VAB, which is where they launched the manned uh, spacecrafts. So we actually got to watch rockets, and satellites go off all the time. So, again, going to this office, taking this long drive, it was nostalgic in this day and age. And at the time, it was extremely adventurous for us. And then when we got to the office, it wasn't just about selling copiers. My dad taught us everything there was behind running a business. And I'm talking cleaning the bathrooms, washing the windows, 
and all the way down to even running the business itself, my father translating to us as young adults and as children even what that looks like. Kind of crazy when you think about it. I remember watching my dad as a 10-year-old go and write checks for payroll for all the, the employees. And I remember thinking, Dad, what are you doing? Right? And he explained to me the whole process. Right? Definitely something that I, I, I cherished. Right? Learning these things that were serious and that, you know, for me, you know, at, at the time, especially being a young child, caused a little bit of curiosity. At 18 years old, not so much. Right? But at 10 years old, man, was I curious. Right? And so it was fun. We learned everything about the business. We learned about the people, the culture that my father was building. We learned about what economics were, which I still don't understand to this day. But my father had this bigger, more grandiose vision of what it looked like to be a servant leader inside of sales and inside of his business. And so the customer experience was extremely important to him. His commitment to excellence was, was bar none. And so my father, you know, during the summers would take us to the office. Outside of the summers, he would always make sure that he was home before 6 o'clock to spend time with us. But he blurred the line. We talk about this work-life balance a lot. My father blurred that line. You know, to us, the people that my father served, they were friends. They were people that put food on our table with a different perspective of that. And, and because of that, sometimes date nights with dad were going out and unjamming coffee machines at home offices or running a Sunday bulletin for a church because they needed some help. Now, really, again, this idea and concept of service over self and as a young kid, that, you're impressionable. And growing up, these are the things that impacted me. These are the things I learned about business. These are the things I learned about sales. Does everybody in here believe that everyone is in sales? Pretty much. Yeah. I do too. I mean, I lived it, right? I watched my father do it my entire life. I was even in sales. Sometimes my dad would take me to demos and have me stand next to the copier. And when he was done, he would say, now, look, I'm trying to feed my son. So if we could leave this thing here. <laughs> So for me, as I got older, you know, I, I started to look at the office a little bit differently, started to look at my walk a little bit differently. Now, I would accumulate hours throughout the year uh, that were basically punishment hours, and they turned into days, and then they turned into the entire summer. Because as a teenager, we were not allowed to play with our friends as punishment over the summer if we disobeyed my mom, right? And so typically, I completely destroyed my summers. I don't know what I was thinking, but I would spend the entire time at the office. It was punishment. That's, that's how, it, what I, I perceived it as. Why am I here? Right. But inside of that, even when I would get to the office and I would feel like I was being punished, I'd make the best of it. And I would explore that office. I would hang out with the techs. I would hang out with accounting. I would immerse myself into the business. And what I learned as I got older is that there's, there's for us in general as adults, like we're not meant to work. It's just not who we are as humans, right? But it's, so it's easy to feel as if work is punishment. And just like I did when I was a kid and I started to slowly watch my summer tick away as I did things that were rebellious, right? But really what I was being taught was that, you know, work, you should, you should be grateful to be able to go to work. You should be grateful for the culture that's being built around you at work. And if you don't like your culture, get out of your office. <laughs> Sidebar. You know, so for me, I created this ultimate checklist, right? I not only immersed myself into my father's business and the culture of it, but I learned everything 
I learned the inner workings of a copy machine, which are actually really crazy, believe it or not. In, in this day and age, in 2019, it's actually pretty simple. But in 2005, in 2004, and 2003, it was the most complicated thing that I had ever seen in my life. You had to take this imaging unit that was called a fuser out, and it had 900 little tiny parts. I would watch guys that had been doing this for 20 years put these things back together, and there'd be seven screws and like two little roller things over here on the side, and they'd be like, I don't know how that happened, but does it work? It works. Here we go. You know, so I immersed myself into that whole process. I got very intimate with it. And because of that also, in those summers, my dad would take me out into the field as well, too. And I was curious, even though I uh, didn't let him know that I was, right? Oh, Dad, do we have to? Right, in my rebellion years. But I learned a very intense and secret sales principle that I'm going to share with you today. The concept of exploring your community, wandering your territory. My father would take us to appointments. We would leave, and he would say, let's go visit the neighbors. And in my mind, I was always like, do we have an appointment with them? Like, why are we going to see the neighbors? <laughs> Is this Mr. Rogers? What's happening here? Uh, but my father just wanted to introduce himself. Have you ever seen a cold call where someone walks in and they just say, hey, my name's Curtis. I own a company. I just wanted to come and meet the owner here introduce myself, learn more about your business as well. Probably, no? Anybody seen that before? Yeah, my guy right here. So you know what it's like. It's intense. Matter of fact, I tried to figure out when I started cold calling how to do it that way. I was like, well, I don't own the business, but you know, it was just so easy from that perspective. But really, my dad didn't have a double agenda. He just wanted to know you. He wanted to relate to some fashion. He wanted to serve. And so this concept of wandering your territory and exploring the territory in which that you live in as a sales professional is extremely important. That transferred into my later years, which we'll talk about. Uh, but I created an entire theory about around sales wandering using technology of 2019, using concepts of the year 2004 when my dad taught me these things. And, and so as a young adult in 2004, I also decided that there was more to life for me than just my father's business. I was a musician. And so I decided to pursue that route. I skipped college, even though I had plenty of opportunities to go. And I got signed to an indie record label, which turned into a major record label, and I toured the United States. What I want to tell you about the story of my music career is that, number one, every night I was selling something. I walked around with a backpack full of CDs, posters, stickers, buttons, and I was willing and doing. 20 bucks, hook you up, give you all this cool stuff. The big thing was is that no one knew my band. Especially on the first route, we did 55 days. It was the worst experience of my life and the best all wrapped in one. Everybody in here has got something like that in their life, right? It was one of those feelings, right? Where you look back on it now and you're like, man, I, I'm glad we did it. But boy, oh boy, was that nuts. What were we thinking? <laughs> but I want to tell you about a little town in South Dakota. You know, most people say when they, when they ask for stories of, of my band days and how it relates to my B2B career, they want to hear about L.A. and New York. They want to hear about other countries I've been to. They want to hear all the juice. But I'll tell you about South Dakota. It's a little tiny town. I remember the way that the cement was formed around the sidewalks that connected to the streets. I remember the window units where you had, you know, 102, 103, 104 on a building and looking inside the real estate office, the insurance agency, and seeing the copy machine. I realized in those moments that I was addicted to something bigger than just 
playing music on the road, I was addicted to understanding people's culture, how they lived, what was important to them, and how it differentiated, how it was different from my local territory back at home. I didn't find much difference, to be honest with you. I found that, for the most part, everybody is a human living their life, right, in their own little way. At the same time, I also met a bunch of amazing people. And in these small towns, it was always the best, right? But there was no difference between going to L.A. and going to South Dakota. You had the same kind of passion in people. You had the same kind of aspirations that you heard from kids. Oh, I want to play in a band, too. I'm working toward that. It was great. One of my favorite things were the small towns because of the way that we could relate to one another. Even though I came from a metropolitan area, my father drove 44 miles every day to a tiny little town called Titusville, Florida that two people in this room have heard of, and that is absolutely insane because usually no one's heard of Titusville. <laughs> so for me, my, my B2B career, when it came to my, the music side of my life, the way that my father was raising me, was that I was becoming a sales wanderer, even on the road, torn in a band. I was fueled by this little thing called curiosity, which is something that ignited a fire in my career that created success for me for years to come. But really, empathy is important, but I also led with a genuine sense of compassion in the way that I walked this earth through my B2B career and my music career. And so somewhere around 2007, 2008, things dramatically changed for me quickly, too. Just one thing after the next. What happened was is that we had turmoil back home, a thunderstorm, as I like to say, lots of changes with my father's health, the collapse of 2008, so I, I was needed. I was needed back at the home front. Uh, and so I did. I came home and, and I helped my father run his firm. And I learned in that time the things that are extremely important. It's not just about the transaction as much as it is about the relationships, people, right? We built unbreakable bonds in 2008 with our customers. We prioritized the relationships. We kept our commitments to the community. When people didn't pay their bill, we didn't go pick up the copier. We didn't stop giving them service. We told them we were here with them and that we'd be watching over them. We, we made them feel as if they were needed instead of just a transaction, somebody that paid us. Now, so hardships inside of a small business, they're not easy, but they're, they're the same across the board. Most of the people that I knew that were in corporate America at the time, and they were struggling with the same things. My dad's company lost a half a million dollars, though. And so if you know anything about small business and losing a half a million dollars, we were a 1.4 million entity at the time. It was like, whoa, <laughs> we were buying dinner on gas cards because we were maxed out on everything else. It was an intense. We had to shift our focus. We had to prioritize things differently. Everything was changing in my life at that time. And in, in 2009, it got even worse. And the thing is, is that on the way out of 2008 into 2009, I was looking for an exit. What's next? How do we get past this? Right? And the problem is, is that when you're out looking for something like that and trying to force it, you'll never find it because it's behind you the whole time, right here inside of you. One of the things that I learned in, in, during this turmoil and during all of these, these trials was that it, it is I. Nobody cares as much as you that was going to get the business out of the constant state that it was in. And so in 2009, my dad was misdiagnosed 
six weeks with a staph infection that was this far away from his heart. Started in his clavicle and his spine into his clavicle and traveled to the heart. He almost died. It was real close. And so in the process of, of all that, my dad and I had an awakening. And we decided that we were going to burn everything to the ground and start over. We changed all of our strategies. We looked at the way that we were running our business differently from a sales perspective in, inside of the tradition that my dad had already built for us, right? So we went back to our roots a little bit more, turned things around from that perspective, adapted to new technologies, decided that we were going to take all the trials that we had been tested with and that we were going to grow from them and glean from them instead of be a victim to them. We survived. And survival is an important thing inside of the sales world, right? How many of you have a quota in here? Does it feel like survival to hit it sometimes? It's a little dis disparaging sometimes. Right? It's a little intense, right? Now, we, we didn't have a quota. We had to pay the bills. We had to keep maintain a lifestyle. I had three other siblings. I had my mom. Right? We had a lot of people that depended on us, employees. The one thing that we learned in this whole process was love and the power of it. We don't say that word enough. And we don't tell our customers that we love them enough. It's a shame. And so in 2010, we rewrote the narrative and we crushed every single record that CBS, Connectivity Business Systems, my father's business, had made up until that point. Revenue, gross profit, machines sold, everything. We destroyed it. It was one of the best years of my life, right? This smile tells it. Every time I think back to that year, I always miss it extremely. I can even remember the look on my dad's face after the first four or five months when he realized that we were doing this thing. We were on our way and that his son had come up inside of a business that he had built and was taking the reins. In 2011, we did it again. Crushed every record. And it's when I coined the term, change the game. If you follow me on LinkedIn, you know that I use that as a hashtag like crazy. Right, Frosty? <laughs> it's one of my favorites. The principle of it, though, being that we decided that instead of walking with the status quo, that we were going to separate ourselves and individualize each transaction. We're going to treat people like humans, not as commission checks that would pay those bills that we so desperately needed to pay. We didn't, we didn't succumb to those things. We kept on the high and mighty road. And my father was a great example of leadership in those times. You know, one of the biggest things that I learned inside of those times for myself was the awakening, inside of the awakening that, that hope was instilled, that this awareness of myself, of the community that I was serving. And, and when I say serving, I mean servant leadership, right? Not just trying to serve somebody so I can get something, but doing it without any expectation of reciprocation for my actions. I think that that is the true form of sales, personally. I've seen it work through my dad's walk, and I've watched it work through my own and my reps when I was a VP of sales at our firm. The big piece of the puzzle being, how do we value people over products and processes? And so I want everybody in this room to remember that you should be showing your community that hope on a daily basis, whether that's through content, outreach, the way you're serving them with your product, should be giving hope back to others. Because hope creates synergy, which leads to momentum, Massive amounts of it, too. Almost uncontrollable amounts of momentum. It caused, it, it caused the individuals inside of our business, myself included, to believe in ourselves on a deeper level, which is important. 
It's important that your salespeople believe in themselves. If they don't, they wake up just hating themselves every morning, wondering why they can't be better. So we sold the business, 2012. It was a sad and happy day all at the same time. My father stayed on as a rep. He found a little cubicle in the back of the bullpen and he hid himself away to stay out of sight for the new ownership to say, I'm here to be a part of this and to support it. It was awesome to work alongside my dad. We decided in that moment that we were going to keep our relationship extremely close and hold each other accountable. And so my dad and I met once a week. We would discuss how do we stay in this small business mindset instead of this corporate entity now. We were 50 employees, eight and a half million, nine million dollars a year in revenue once they purchased us. We wanted to make sure that we didn't lose sight of the things that we had built though. The attitude that we had created inside of our walk. We wanted to keep the past alive. And so this is the time that I created my brand, The Copier Warrior, which went viral on LinkedIn in 2016. <laughs> but at the time in my community, it went extremely viral. Through that personal brand, I wrote 77 net new transactions in one fiscal year. I'm not talking about 77 copiers. I'm talking about 77 individual transactions selling copiers. I averaged 50 a year. The industry standard is somewhere around 18 per rep. And so my brand did massive amounts of damage to my community, right? When it comes to my competition, those guys hated me. Everybody hated me. <laughs> Who is this lunatic that calls himself a copier warrior? Why is he stealing my business? So the other thing that I figured out inside of that as well too was legacy, how important that is. My father's legacy, right? I learned that all these assets and accolades that I was earning, that they can instill a sense of pride, right? It can make you feel better about your sales walk. But there's a more important question that we must be asking ourselves. What will people remember you for? Nobody's going to remember me for writing 77 net new accounts in one year or writing millions of dollars in net new business every year, year over year for my company, taking it from 9 million to 24 million in seven years. No one will remember that. That's a great number, right? My community doesn't care. They cared about the relationship that we had, right? More than anything. Ask yourself that question. Next time we were with your prospects. My father's example of that was that he believed in wearing every hat. If you're building your business, you should be building others as well. Helping them to glean and learn from the things that have made you successful, right? Because my father sought to make that impact. That's the legacy of Curtis Dupree. He was more than just a vendor for people. I watched my father pray over people in the middle of a sales meeting sometimes, depending on a conversation. It's how personal he got with people. It's insane, but I loved it. My father practiced empathy, empathy in every single sales cycle all the way to the close. He wasn't a hard close. He was a genius close, as I like to say. He used the shut up and let, let the prospect make their decision method. It was, it was amazing to see, especially as a young man. As I got older, I practiced and implemented these things in my own walk, which caused my success. And so in 2016, I lost my father. Cancer sucks. He'd been diagnosed in 2014, 13, sorry. One year after we had sold the business, we had three years with him. I gave the eulogy at my father's funeral. I looked down to a room similar to this in size. Not an empty seat. Nowhere to sit, nowhere to stand. People lined out the back door. 
I remember wondering to myself, who the hell are half of these people in this room? I didn't recognize them at all. And after the funeral, people came up to me for hours, six or seven hours, and told me stories about my dad that I had never heard. My favorites? You don't know me, Dale. Your dad sold me a copier. But he was more than just a vendor to me. Changed my life. I heard stories about my dad helping people with their suicidal thoughts. I heard stories about my dad helping people going through a divorce, consoling with them, showing them support. I heard my stories about my dad just simply not judging people for where they were at in their life. People he sold copiers to. That thought to me is deep. The way that we can impact others through our business walk. Life is short. What's the point? Why not put yourself out there? See where it goes. My father had that in him, instilled in him from the day that he was born. I believe that at least. At the age of 35, he had a transformation. From there on out, things for him were different. Every interaction, every conversation. So one thing I want to leave you guys with as a takeaway is that it's time to champion our communities. It's time to focus on servant leadership inside of sales. It's time to change and tell a new sales story in general. We need to focus on this commitment to excellence. I would like everybody in here to look at that fourth bullet point. My father was my hero. And I encourage all of you to go back to your offices and become the sales hero that my father was. Instill that hope into your community that he did. No more harassing prospects. No more sales moves. That is the true heart of sales. And now, in a sea of sales memes and encouraging sales memes and disrespectful sales memes and the whole like, you know, a lot of times that's what I see, just a bunch of words. But I want everybody in here to focus and remember service, the word service, servant leadership inside of that. I want you to remember that exploring, adapting, and stepping up is an important attribute for you as a salesperson and your sales teams. Remember to prioritize the relationships that you have with your prospects and to turn to love. Start using that word more often, not just with your family members, but the people you're doing business with. They deserve it. Remember people, they're not clients. They're not transactions, they're people. They put food on our table, right? Remember that trials are necessary inside of your sales walk in order to become legendary. Remember that hope is powerful. And that a commitment to excellence is the only way to walk your sales game. Remember also that legacies are extremely important, the most important. What's yours? Remember also that by causing impact, we create leaders inside of our community. Let's raise leaders up. And so to kind of wrap things up with everybody in here today, I just want to challenge you all on a couple of things that I want you to think about. I want you to look at giving your sales walk purpose, right? I want you to shape the future of sales, but above all, I want you to start a sales rebellion. Thank you. You've been listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast. 
To make sure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you have an iPhone, we'd love for you to open the Apple Podcasts app and leave a review. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.